This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Blessings to you on this Easter Wednesday. My name is Bentley Manning, and I'm the rector of the Church of the Incarnation in Highlands, North Carolina. And I'm Kellen Day. I'm the assistant rector here at Incarnation. Kellen, have you ever heard of the custom or the tradition to tell a joke uh, at Easter? That's not a real custom. No, I think it is. Is it like a custom in your household? No, I think the Orthodox do this. Oh, no, they don't. No, I think they tell jokes. Are There's you being Easter... serious? I'm being serious. No, you're not. We'll come back and I'll confirm this later, but I thought uh, it would be nice to tell a joke on this Easter Wednesday. That's not real. No, I think it is real. But anyway, here's the joke. I heard this first from uh, a theologian, William Cavanaugh, and I thought I'd uh, try it on you. All right, so the other day I was uh, walking down the street and there was a guy on a bridge who was about to jump. And I said to him, don't do it. Don't, don't jump. He said, nobody loves me. I said to him, I love you. God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. Uh, What denomination? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist, he said. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him over. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's a crazy joke. So we looked up Bentley's, you know, theory that in the Eastern Orthodox Church, there is a custom to tell jokes during Easter. And, you know, as reported earlier, I was a little skeptical about this. Seems that Bentley is on to something here because we have found that the Monday after Easter is called what? Holy hilarity? That's it. That's it? Yeah. But... The only people who are saying this is a tradition are Episcopalians. So well, maybe the Greeks just aren't online. I think they're online. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so maybe if anyone has further uh, evidence about this, we'd love to see it. Kellen. It's Easter. It is Easter. I think, I think we should talk about Easter a little bit. Have, have you been thinking about the season at all? Um, well, I was thinking earlier today about that video that Rowan Williams has reminding people about the full 50 days of Easter. I've not seen the video. It's this really kind of quaint little feature. It's not very long. Um, I saw it a couple years ago and he, you know, 
just reminds us that we have a whole season of Easter to celebrate the resurrection. And as much as we are dutiful in our Lenten observance, we should be joyous in our Easter celebrations. So does does the Archbishop offer any guidance to what those 50 days might look like? Well, he just says we should be drinking champagne every day of Easter. Every day. Well, um, yes. It's a lot of champagne. Right, but it's a big event in the life of the world. And maybe it's a bit of a metaphor, like what are some things we can do to celebrate the day for 50 whole days? Right. So Easter practices, Bentley, you have any ideas of what people could do or what you might do to really live into these 50 days fully and wholeheartedly? Well, one of the first things I want to say is that it's about celebrating life, celebrating the gift of eternal life, the gift of the resurrection. So the first thing might be just to give thanks, just to give thanks. To God. To God. To For Christ. the gift of Christ. And then maybe be a bit more specific. What are some of the particular ways that God's moving in our life and in the world around us? And not just vague feelings of uh, gratitude, but get a sheet of paper out and write them down. So then once you have that list, once you have those things on a sheet of paper, offer them to God in prayer in Thanksgiving. Uh, A wonderful Easter practice, I think. Kellen, what do you think? Well, another wonderful Easter practice is uh, enjoying a feast. And that may not look like, you know, the typical feast that we love during Easter tide with friends and family around the table, but we can still feast. Well, does a Easter feast just include food? Well, you could feast on the goodness of creation by getting outside in it, you know, observing, being attentive to springtime even more in this season. You can feast on, you know, friendships and relationships that have gone dormant and you miss. You could feast on good literature or art or movies. So it's kind of just like the opposite of a fast. Instead of abstaining from something, it's about leaning in and delighting in getting more of something. Yeah, I think you're probably pretty good at it, Bally. <laughs> I think so, too. Kellen, what are some of the things that you're hoping uh, to feast on in the next 50 days? Um, Well, one of them is certainly Lake Sequoia on my paddleboard. So I've been out once, and it was utterly delightful. What did you love about it? I love that it was really quiet and peaceful. I liked that I was on the water, but not in it. I liked the, like, really methodical movement I liked that you can see beavers and birds. Hold up, hold up. You saw a beaver? Yeah. It was not a happy beaver either. Well, in the middle of the lake or on the side? Where was it? It was in the middle of the lake swimming, and then it like started flapping its tail at me, diving into the water. Because it was like, hey, you're in my territory. You should not be here. So I think all of the animals in Highlands are getting a little more bold now that we're all stuck in our homes. Well, this is their home, and we're not disrupting it nearly as much, probably. Well, so you saw a beaver. In the past week, I've seen a albino squirrel. 
I've also seen a bobcat. Well, my wife, Leslie, saw a bobcat and a whole pack of bears. A whole pack of bears came up on our porch. That's a lot of wildlife. I don't think bears are in packs. What? They're bundles? (laughs) Bundles of bears. (laughs) I don't know what they are. I don't know if bears are like herd creatures. Club? A club? I don't know. What is it? All right, so we just looked it up. It's a sleuth or a sloth of bears. That's what you have when you've got more than two together. Yeah, but a bundle is way cuter. I think a bundle is the way to go. Bundle of bears. We should probably come back to our Easter practices, ways to feast during this time. I think the resurrection asks us to consider how we practice justice in our community and the world. One of the most powerful images of the resurrection for me comes from the Eastern tradition, which shows the harrowing of hell, uh, Christ literally descending into hell and breaking the chains that hold people uh, captive to death. Yeah, so Christ breaks forth from that hell. And I think the resurrection ultimately says that those death-dealing forces in the world don't win. But it also has us like look clearly and carefully at our own world and the death dealing forces that are still allowed to survive and hurt our neighbors. At the very heart of the Easter message is the proclamation that a new kingdom has started in and through the person of Jesus Christ, and that kingdom is breaking into our world even now. As Christians, we are called to align our hearts, our lives, our souls, and bodies with Christ's kingdom, not the kingdoms of this world. And of course, that will require us to rethink uh, what we mean when we say something like justice. So a few ways maybe that we can practice justice in our own lives, in this community. Uh, We're just going to list off a few examples real quick. We can support the local food pantry. We could be thoughtful about the environmental and social impact of our personal investments. We can reroute our stimulus checks if we don't need them to a family that does. We can be thoughtful about the food and clothes that we buy. You can write your state or national representatives. I think we could also listen more closely to some of the voices in our world that don't often have the microphone. All right, so we've named some specific ways that we might celebrate these 50 days of Easter, but putting our trust and hope in this Easter proclamation is sometimes easier said than done. And this week in our text, we meet a bunch of characters who maybe are a little bit fearful of what the resurrection might mean for their world and their lives. So a bunch of disciples are in a room, a locked room together because they are scared of what is on the outside of that room. Right, so they're locked in the room and then Jesus comes and stands among them and says, peace be with you. He shows them his hands and his side and the disciples rejoice in his appearing. He offers them his peace and then sends them out to do the work he has given them to do. He asks them to receive the Holy Spirit and to forgive the sins um, just as they have been forgiven. But Thomas, we learn, is not with the 12 when Jesus appears. Uh, Later, 
the disciples tell Thomas that they have seen the Lord, but he does not believe them and says, unless he sees the mark of the nails in his hands and puts his finger in his side, he will not believe. And then a week later, Thomas is with the disciples in the same locked room, and Jesus comes and stands among them a second time, saying again, peace be with you. And then he says to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and place it on my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And then what we hear from Thomas's lips are these words, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. much in this text, Bentley, that we could talk about. A lot. And I think one of the things that I find heartening is that this comes every year, right? Every- right. Every lectionary year, it's the same reading. And because this reading happens every year, you know, the repetition sort of lends an emphasis to it, kind of especially important or paradigmatic. Right. So one of the things that it says is that we have a tendency to, I think, shut the doors of our hearts off to the power of God's love in Christ. Yes, we, as sort of Christ followers, maybe aren't always ready for the reality of resurrection before us. But it's like Jesus still comes in anyway. Like we shut our doors and he's like, hey, I'm here. (laughs) That's a wonderful observation. I've never thought about that, that um, at least in these examples, he's going to stand in front of the disciples no matter what. And his posture when he, you know, is before his disciples is one that (laughs) offers deep consolation, right? It's he's offering them his peace. And then he offers Thomas what I think is something deeply beautiful and horrifying. Kellen, what is it about his wounds that is uh, both beautiful and horrifying in this story? I mean, they're horrifying in that they represent, on one hand, this tragic and brutal death by the state and by humanity. They're sort of the ultimate kind of symbol of truth of us. And they're beautiful because they're on the risen Christ and are no longer only symbols of his death, but of his triumph as well. Is there anything else from this scene, Bentley, that you want to discuss or zoom in on? Another part of this story that captures my attention is Thomas's posture and his desire 
to gather all the information he can in order to believe that Christ indeed is risen from the dead. But in the end, what changes his heart is uh, the appearance of Christ standing before him, which is to say that Christianity is ultimately not a set of ideas or propositions that we hold in our head, but an invitation uh, to a relationship with God through Christ. And in that relationship, our wounds um, are transformed as well. Oh dear clarity, please come Show me what has just begun All the hopes and fears I've ever known Oh, have faith come back to me Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, refresh me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesu, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malicious enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me. And bid me come to thee. That with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. As always, thank you all for tuning in and listening to this episode of Empty Pews. Make sure that you like and subscribe. And pledge. We also hope that you'll tune into our worship service at 1030 on Sunday. And join us for our Bible study, which begins on Tuesday, the 21st at 10.30 a.m. Finally, whether you're in the city or the mountains, we want to know if you see any wildlife this week, especially any (laughs) bundles of bears. Love you. We miss you. God's peace.